to <clears throat> excuse me Genesis chapter 45 Genesis chapter 45 <clears throat> We have been announcing over the last couple of weeks that we have revival coming up and it has been uh, a question has come to me uh, multiple people have asked me um, what is revival and you know uh, so I wanted to take a few minutes this morning and kind of explain what revivals uh, revival meetings are all about and and why we need them so uh, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 45, uh, let's start reading in verse 24. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed. And he said unto them, See that ye f- uh, fall not out of the way. And they went up out of Egypt, and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father. And, he, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive. And he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, and he believed them not. My my first question is, do you blame him? You know, I mean, they'd already lied to him, you know. So anyway, um, but verse 27, uh, And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagon which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. The word revive, uh, in the context here in the in the verse, uh, literally means this. Uh, 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 it refers to a spiritual reawakening um, from a state of dormancy or uh, uh, stagnation in the life of a believer. And and so the word revival uh, in the context that we use it is exactly that. It is an opportunity for us to revive our spirits. Um, so the first question is, what is a revival? Let me Let me spend a couple minutes answering that question. Revival, in a sense, is an opportunity to, for lack of better terms, jumpstart, if you would, uh, a believer's spirit or or heart. Psalm chapter 51 and verse 12. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with with thy free spirit. So the psalmist here is admitting that he had lost the joy of his salvation. And he is asking God to revive, if you would, his heart so that he could then be revived of the joy of his salvation. Revival is a special time that we as a church set aside once a year. We have uh, meetings that start on a Sunday uh, typically, you start on Sunday and go through Friday. Um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night. 
Um, <clears throat> but it is a time that we set aside as a church to encourage us in the things of God because the reality is this. We all need reviving periodically. Do we not? And so this is a time that we, we try to set aside. We, we try and do it uh, late winter, early spring every year. Um, I, I came across another definition I wanted to share with you. Um, revival invigorates and sometimes deepens a believer's faith, opening his or her eyes to the truth uh, uh, in a uh, fresh and new way. It generally uh, invokes the association of a fresh start or a clean slate, making new beginnings of a life uh, lived in opportunity to God. Break, uh, excuse me, revival breaks the 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 charm and the power of the world, which blinds <clears throat> the eyes of men and generates both the will. Uh, and the power to live in the world, but not of the world. <clears throat> There's not one of us that doesn't struggle with the things of this world. And revival is a great way to remind us and to invigorate us to put away the things of the world. So, do we need revival? <clears throat> the answer to that is yes. Uh, we all need revival. Um, revival uh, allows us to see ourselves in comparison to God's majesty and holiness. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Again, you know, Isaiah here was a prophet. He was, he was the man of God, if you would. And it, what is he saying? He's saying, hey, I need help too. How many, how many of you are parents? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you have ever experienced the frustration of trying to teach your children something and then having your child come up to you a week or two later and say, uh, hey, I heard blah, 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 blah from so-and-so. Isn't that really cool? And you think, I just told you that. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? Well, revival is kind of the same way. I, we've, had, we've had revival meetings just about every year that the church has been uh, in existence. And <clears throat> I, I remember on many occasions... People, you know, sitting where you sit as the evangelist is, is preaching, um, thinking, wow, I just preached on that last week. And then people afterwards saying, wow, wasn't that a great message? I'm like, I just said the same thing. Anyway, so that's what revival is. We all need it. Um, uh, in the letter of uh, to to the the, the church in uh, Ephesian, uh, Ephesus, excuse me, uh, the, the a letter that Christ wrote to the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter two, uh, he acknowledged that their 
perseverance and the, their discernment was, was awesome. But they had lost their first love. Revelation chapter 2, in verse 4 and 5, he says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, uh, from whence thou art fallen, and, and repent, or in other words, or revive yourselves uh, to do the first works, or else I will come unto thee and will restore thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent, or except you change your, change your ways. And, and uh, so, do we need it? Absolutely. Revival helps us to restore that first love, or the, 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 the joy of our salvation. <clears throat> the cares and the worries of this world can, can bring us down uh, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And it can weigh us down. And revivals have a way of, of, of just reinvigorating us so that we can face difficult situations sometimes. Let me ask you, do you need revival? The answer to that, only you can answer that. But let me ask you, I have several questions here I want to ask you that will answer that question if you're honest with yourself. Am I closer to the Lord today than I was a year ago? And if you can say yes to that, the next logical question is, are you as close to the Lord today as you want to be? And the chances are the answer that's no. We all have a desire to be closer, do we not? At least we should. Do I pray more today than I did a year ago? Have I let bitterness into my life? Do I love others more today than I did a year ago? Uh, have I shared Christ with someone uh, in, in the recent past? Have I taken the time to share the gospel? How is my relationship with my spouse, uh, friends, and, and family? Am I really what people see? Too often we live one way at church and our lives at home or something else. Do I have a clear conscience before God and men? Am I willing to ask God to speak to me through the preaching of God's Word? See, these are all questions that, that nobody can answer but you. I want to I close my commercial for revival with this. And it's a free commercial, by the way. You don't have to pay for it. Commercials are always free, right? <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. This is a rhetorical question. What is the answer to that? No one can. Only God, only God can do that. Revival, you'll hear it again at the end of the service, March 
6 to the 11th. Again, it's Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Monday night through, through Friday night. Leading up to this, we will be having uh, prayer meetings, and we, we'll talk about that at the end of the service as well. Um, it, it has been wisely said, revival doesn't just happen, it's prayed down. And that's why we have prayer meetings. And we're doing it on Sunday night. We, we've done it on Saturday nights <clears throat> in the past, but we're doing we're going to do it uh, on Sundays, hoping that more, more of us can come together and pray uh, on Sunday before the evening service. So put it on your calendar and be a part of it. And I, I promise you, it'll be a blessing to you. So <clears throat> now let's shift our attention back to Joseph here. Um, turn, turn over, if you would, to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. As we uh, make this transition, I want to I open by saying this. Testings or trials that come into our lives reveal who we really are. It is, the, it is one of the ways that we can truly see who we really are is when we go through trials and struggles. One of the things, I, I, um, I, I've always been a carpenter. I've always been around hammers and different things, and I can't tell you how many times I've hit, and I've hit the wrong nail. And um, my, my poor thumb is just, it's a miracle. It doesn't look like a mushroom. But... Uh, uh, I remember the first time that I hit my thumb and I didn't curse. That, that, was, a, that was a huge milestone in my life. Now, I wanted to, but I didn't. And, that, and that, was, that, was, that was God showing me that he was doing something inside. Trials and struggles. Trials and and, and and struggles reveal who we are. Now, I'm going to show off some of my um, techie... Uh, no, I don't even know. Anyway, I, I worked really hard on this. So please, if you don't like what, I, what I'm about to show you, don't tell me, okay? Because <laughs> I worked really hard at this. Okay, Chris, slide number one. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Well, you know, we have been <laughs> we have been talking about God's timeline for the life of Joseph, have we not? And as I, I as I've I've said a, a million times, I'll say it a million more times. I'm a visual learner, and I need I need to see things to to kind of help me, especially when it comes to things like this. It, it just helps me put things in perspective. So, slide number two, Chris. Boom. Okay, here we have, can y'all read that? Okay, I'll work at getting the font bigger or brighter or something. I'll work on it, okay? But um, anyway, this, this says at the, end of, at the end of the timeline is Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. It says this, um, But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass... Uh, as it is this day to save much people. So let's go back to slide number two. So <clears throat> the end of the timeline is for 
Joseph's life was to save what would become the nation of Israel. Okay, so that is the the end of the timeline. Uh, Genesis only has 50 50 chapters in it. So Genesis chapter 50 is the end of the timeline. Last week, I I made this statement. I said, uh, the horrible day that Joseph was sold into slavery would would be a day that Joseph would be able to look back at and say, thank God for that day. So, next slide. Oh, there you go. I'm sorry. Well, no, let's go back. Let's, okay, Chris had it right. I'm sorry. Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 and 5. And Joseph said unto his brothers, Come near to me, I pray you. Uh, and they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold unto, into Egypt. Now, therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me uh, hither, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Okay, now, okay, so we have this timeline, and it starts with, over here to the left, let me see if I can, if this is working, over here to the left, we have uh, sold into slavery. Can you all see that? Okay, okay, so he's sold into slavery here. That starts the timeline. It ends here in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 that the purpose for Joseph's life, God was going to bring him to the point where he could then save what would become the nation of Israel. Next next slide, please, Chris. Well, no, before we do that, let's go to our passage and read Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 and 2. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him uh, with the, uh, of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he, prospered, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do. Lord, we, we are a needy people and we need you this morning. And we ask that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us to see and to understand that you work in our lives just like you do Joseph's lives. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, slide number four. Yes, that one. Okay, so the next step or the next event in the timeline, so Joseph was sold into slavery and then he uh, becomes part of Potiphar's household. Okay, so you see how the, the, the timeline is starting to develop. By the way, are you impressed on my, 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 my work here? Like I said, if you don't like it, keep it to yourself. 
<laughs> Especially my daughter. <clears throat> um, the, the title of the message this morning is Re- Resolved to Trust. And, I, I, and Chris, I, I, I'm sorry, Chris. I'm just jumping ahead and moving. And you just, just, just bear with me, buddy. So resolve to trust. Resolve to trust. Point number one this morning we're going to talk about. Point number one. Who is Potiphar? Understanding, as 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 I was, I, I told you, I have been absolutely captivated with the life of Joseph for several months now. And as I started studying the life of Joseph, one of the things that really just jumped out at me was this, this guy Potiphar. Because you, you, you have to understand who Potiphar was in order to understand what God was doing in Joseph's life. Okay? So I have there, there are three things I want to point out about Joseph, uh, uh, Joseph, uh, Potiphar this morning. The first one is this, is, and it's super obvious, but it, again, it's important. And that is this. <clears throat> he bought Joseph. And you say, well, that's, that's like really obvious. Well, but think about this. Why Joseph? You know, we can, we can, we can look at the life of Joseph and to the best of our ability, there is nothing about Joseph's appearance that is unusual. You know, there's no word that it says that he was, you know, extremely good looking or that he was big and strong or whatever. He was just, from what we can tell, he was just an average guy. So Potiphar goes to the slave market and purchases a, a, a slave. Why did he pick Joseph? Me personally, this is just me. I personally think it was a God thing. I mean, there, there's no there's no other indication of any other reason than the fact that God worked it out. Now, get this, because this is important to the story of Joseph. Joseph needed to be in Potiphar's house. And I'm, gonna, and I'm gonna explain why here in just a minute. So we have slide number five. <clears throat> Boom, there we go. Okay, now, 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 now try and understand this because it took me a while to kind of figure this out. <clears throat> Joseph starts here by being a slave. He is bought by Potiphar. God's ultimate goal is to get him to Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 where he saves the nation of Israel. So, <clears throat> this, is, this is the beginning and the end of the timeline. But, in between, in order to accomplish this, Joseph has to get right here. Joseph has to become the prime minister of Egypt in order to do this, right? Okay? 
So how then does God get Joseph from a slave, a shepherd boy from Canaan, to being the prime minister of Egypt? How does he do it? Joseph, being a little shepherd boy in Canaan, needs to learn the language of the Egyptians. First off, he, he's got to be able to, 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 I don't know what their language is, but Egyptian language. <clears throat> J- Joseph <clears throat> knows nothing about Egyptian culture. He knows nothing about the governmental structure of the Egyptian people. God had to put Joseph somewhere, Joseph uh, Potiphar's house, to teach him all of these things. We could call it, really, the University of Potiphar. He's going to learn the language. He's going to learn the Egyptian culture. Because Potiphar is a government official, he's going to learn the, 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 the way the Egyptian government works, right? But also in this, he's going to learn how the elite of the Egyptian people live. Why? Because of where he's at. God puts him specifically there so that he could do this. The the importance of understanding, a, a simple understanding of the fact that Joseph was purchased by Potiphar. Is, is critical to understanding the story of Joseph. The second thing I want you to understand is that we see here in verse 1, uh, and it says, And Joseph was bought by the, uh, 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 excuse me, brought to Egypt, down to Egypt, and Potiphar, uh, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites. So the second thing that we know, not only did Joseph buy him, number two, that Joseph, uh, that Potiphar was an aristocrat. Okay? Being an an officer of Pharaoh is a significant glimpse into what's going on in God's master plan in the life of Joseph. Joseph. His home would have been a a magnificent palace. There would have been many servants uh, within the the structure of the home, if you would. Just about everything Joseph needed to learn to be the prime minister, not everything, but just about everything, and we'll get to the everything in a a couple weeks, But just about everything Joseph needed to learn about being prime minister of Egypt, he could learn at the University of Potiphar. 
the third thing, and this is, again, this is another significant thing that we, we often read over and, and not really pay a lot of attention is, is that he was captain of the guard. Potiphar was captain of the guard. Now, this, this means that, that he is, he's got the, 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 the Pharaoh's ear, if you would. He, he, he would appear before Pharaoh more than likely very often. Many of the uh, theologians and historians that I read believe that Pharaoh or, or that Potiphar was the head of the military. There's no, there's no definitive proof of that, but that is the, the basic understanding here. But at least Potiphar would have been in charge of the security of the palace. Now, I want you to think about this. Pharaohs would have carried out every military whim of the Pharaoh. Did I say that wrong? Potiphar would have carried out every military whim of the Pharaoh. Pharaohs were not known for being nice guys. If they didn't like you, they just kill you. Or, more, more often than not, they would, they would have you punished. And we'll, we'll see evidence of this in, in, a, in, a, in a couple of weeks. You, you would get punished Ex, uh, 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 tortured was a, was a, one of their favorite things, and then they after that they they have you killed. The pharaohs were ruthless guys. They they ha- they felt like they had to be in order to maintain power. More than likely. Again, we don't have definitive proof, but every every person I read on this was was pretty consistent on it. Potiphar would have been the one to carry out all of those duties. So Potiphar was a really, really mean person. He would have had to have been. So not only does Joseph learn about all the, the, the things that he needed to learn about the government structure and all of the, the things that God was going to teach him here, but he also learned how brutal the Egyptian people really were. As I meditated on verse 1 of our passage this morning I thought of two verses in Genesis in the New Testament Joseph was brought down to Egypt and sold as a slave to this man Potiphar as I meditated on that verse I I thought of James chapter 1 verses 2 and 3 says my brethren counted all joy 
when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. James, when he wrote that, I, I, I can't imagine, I, I, I've wondered what, 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 what would drive a man to, to write that other than the leading of the, 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 leading of the Holy Spirit. Because that, that statement goes against everything humanly possible that makes sense. It doesn't, humanly speaking, it does not make sense. Count it all joy. Here, let me share another verse with you that I don't like. By the way, I don't like James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Just saying. I, I want to share another one I don't like. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, this is a verse that oftentimes we use and, and we think, oh, isn't that cool how God just blesses us and, you know, in all things according to his purpose. And But we, we miss something in there when we read this verse that I... For we know that all things work together the good the bad being sold to slavery all things the trials that many of you are in right now would be considered all things the trial that Joseph was in was all things all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. I believe with all of my heart that God orchestrated Joseph's being sold into slavery and more specifically that he would be purchased by a guy named Potiphar. Point number two. Let's look at verse two in Joseph's character. Joseph's character. Verse two. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. The title of the message this morning is Resolved to Trust. And, and I'm, I'm going to say this because th- I believe this to be very true. Joseph did not wait until he was sold into slavery to become resolved. Joseph was resolved before he was ever sold into slavery. And we today need to decide that we are going to live for God no matter what happens. Because when the trials come, if we are not resolved before the trials come, you're, you're definitely not going to decide to live for God during a trial. It doesn't work that way. Joseph had made that decision many, many years earlier. 
I believe that Joseph had resolved himself to trust God. Let me ask a question. Why was the Lord with him? It it says right here, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and why was the Lord with Joseph? My, my My first thought was, well, God felt sorry for him. Is that why? No, God didn't feel sorry for Joseph. Because Joseph was right in the middle of God's will for his life. So why was God with Joseph? I believe it was because Joseph was resolved to trust him. I am convinced from everything that I've read and studied that Joseph had no idea at this point in his life He had no idea what God had in store for him. I believe that. But yet he trusted. And you may be going through something this morning, and you have no idea what God is doing in your life. Let me tell you, trust him. Trust him. Because he is doing something great. I have had people say to me, it would be much easier to trust God if I knew what was coming. Chris, can you put up that last slide again, please? <clears throat> do you think, just question, do you think that right here, God came to Joseph and said, Joseph, <clears throat> I want, I'm going to make you the prime minister of Egypt so that you can accomplish this. What do you think Joseph would have done right here? He probably would not have said, oh, goody. Exactly. Where's the faith? Let me read you a verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are supposed to live by faith, not by sight. And the reality is this. If you could see your timeline. God God came to me and he says, okay, Rick, I want you to make another timeline. And I could, I could put this here and, this, and then this is where you're going to end up and, and all the points in between and all this stuff. And, and you could actually see all of that. Chances are you would probably rebel and turn away. Because you would see all the trials that you would have to go through to accomplish this and say, there is no way I'm going to do that. That's why we need to live by faith. Often, our faith is shaken and we cannot see 
what God is doing in our lives. It's a, it's a blur. It doesn't make sense. And we, we see this trial that we are in the midst of. And we think, I don't want any part of this. But that is when God does his greatest works. Let's go back to verse 2. <clears throat> it says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was pro- a prosperous man. And he was a prosperous man. And, and, and I, I looked at that phrase. In fact, I even have it underlined in my Bible, and I have a question next to it. Even as a slave? How could a slave be prosperous? And as I, as I meditated on it and I thought about it, <clears throat> how could a slave be prosperous? The answer is really pretty, pretty simple. The blessings of God in your life have nothing to do with the circumstances in your life. And you can be joyful, happy Christian in the midst of incredibly difficult circumstances. And Joseph is proof of that. See, my joy is not tied to whether my circumstances are going well. My joy is in Jesus Christ. In faith alone, we sang this morning, my hope is found. Is that in the goes? Or did I mess it up? In Christ alone. Okay, yeah, okay. In Christ alone. That's where my joy is tied. Not in the circumstances. If, if my joy was tied to the circumstances of, of, uh, that surround me on a daily basis, I would be one of the saddest person people that ever lived in, in, in this world. And you would be too. But see, my joy is tied to Christ. And I can be prosperous in the midst of horrible circumstances. Often, I shouldn't say often, periodically, I will have people say to me something to the effect of, why does God hate me? Because they're going through a difficult time. And they say, why does God hate me? Or, or they'll say something like, is, is God out to get me? Have you ever thought that? I have. Because all I could see is the circumstance instead of Jesus Christ. And when we get blinded by the circumstances, and we get blinded by what's going on around us, we lose focus and we and we 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 fail to trust God. But Joseph was resolved to trust. <clears throat> Some of God's greatest works are done in the darkness. Some of God's greatest works are done <clears throat> in some of the hardest places in our lives. 
Let me read with you, read to you uh, the first four verses of the 23rd Psalm. One of, one of the, probably one of the most, uh, most read passages in the Bible. Psalm chapter 23, verse, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The psalmist here is, is reaffirming the fact that we will pass through the valleys of the shadow of death. We will go through dark times. We will go through difficult situations. But the promise of God is what? That he will be with us through those times. We are never, nowhere in this book are we ever promised or even hinted at living a life that is free from trials. If anything, the opposite is what is true. We are told, get ready. They're coming. But the promise is that he will always be there with us. This psalm was written by King David. David was a man who lived many, many, many years after Joseph. But yet Joseph understood this principle. He understood that God loved him and that God would never forsake him and that God would always be there for him. Let me close with a question. How's your walk this morning? It's a simple question. But only you can answer it. How's your walk? Or let let me rephrase. How is your trust? How's your trust this morning? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work that you do in our lives and the the, the work that you did in the life of Joseph through this amazing, amazing life that he lived. (coughs) We will see in the coming weeks the, the, the many trials and struggles that come in and out of the life of Joseph and the faith that carried him through them all. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and our lives and that you would help us to see you this morning like we've never seen you before. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us and help us to be resolved trust with every head bowed and every eye closed let me ask you